guess it's gonna be another rerun episode. Aha! Gotcha! I fooled you! Just like last week when I fooled you thinking that mm-hmm. we were gonna finally talk about A Tree Goes in Brooklyn, but instead we were like, ha! It's a rerun! And just so you're sure it's not a rerun, I just blew out the microphone of my gotcha. Good job! Actually, That's how we do it. Actually, our little mics uh, tend to like kind of course correct those, so sometimes Thank when we God. think, uh, yeah, that's not that bad. Welcome, listener readers! Hey. To brand new chapter in the Brand spanking new. Of... Slow Readers. This is a true story. America's fast-paced literature podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought to you by Top Gun Radio. That's us. This is a show about books. It's about reading. It's about Zatoichi. It's about uh, Takeshi Kitano. Uh, it's about Masaki Kobayashi. I'm forgetting his first name for some reason. Kobayashi? Ko- yeah. He never directed any of those. No, but what's his first name? Masaki. Masaki. Masaki? Masaki. Why does it sound... Masaki Kobayashi. Why does it sound like... I'm like, really? I feel like I didn't know that, but I clearly did. Yeah, that's his name. This is about Kobayashi films. Yes. We just had a conversation before recording about being slightly less esoteric and being more on track. We're good. We're fine. We're fine. We're on track. We can, look, that was like a 20 second thing. Yeah. I'm talking about when we do this for like 20, 30 minutes. That's fair. That's, again, That that's you. I don't know what you were talking about. Sex and violence was always very, very tight. This is Slow Readers, mm. where we talk about books and we talk about various other things. And uh, lo- welcome new listeners. Welcome new listeners also because um, also sure uh, mm-hmm. because uh, this is yeah there's so many new different things since the last time I believe we were a lot has changed because uh, uh, first actually let's let's introduce ourselves because I feel like we're going to like introduce ourselves like t- 20 minutes later. We do that a lot. Uh, I am Daniel Gonzalez. Gonzalez, Gonzalez, Gonzalez. An audio producer, writer, editor and author. That's true. Who and what are you? Hello everyone. I'm Gabe Mara. I am sometimes a comedian and I'm an audio producer and um, I do writing things. Hopefully I'll be now that we've made our big grand transition, now that it's the next well, stage, I hope yeah. to get back to my sketch comedy writing roots. I, I don't know what you're talking about. What what has changed? Since now the we're last sitting time? on the floor. We're sitting on the floor. And Daniel and I have gone full Marie Kondo. <laughs> We've gone full Marie Kondo. We got rid of chairs. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hated chairs. Nothing yeah. drove me into a murderous rage than chairs. Fucking chairs? Um, yeah. Because like, we could really use chairs. One of yeah, totally. And uh we might even need like to put like something underneath uh, this table leg or something like that because it's slightly uneven. Yeah. Um and the reason for that is that we're not recording in Top Gallant Cove anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or Top Gallant Dungeon. Or Top Gallant Studio. I think that was the yeah, first one. That was the first one. Nor Top Gallant East. East now retired. Yes. Um this is Top Gallant Walk-in closet. Hey. Hey. I just said Top Gallant West West. <laughs> top Gallant West West? Actually West. Uh, top, uh, well, well, okay. Well, uh, let's, let's, what, what should we call it? Top Gallant Nights. LA? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Top Gallant. Uh, well, no, that's a bit, I don't, yeah, we can, mm, hopefully we'll at some out. point there's going to be an LA thing. Sure. Uh, but um, let's call it Top Gallant Village. <laughs> sure. Let's say Top Gallant Village. I don't know. I like Top Gallant Walk-in Closet best. It's Top Gallant Walk-in Closet. Yeah, okay, there you go. Top Gallant Closet. And Gabriel, why, why, what's with this new recording space? Well, Daniel, um, as I've been threatening to do since 2013, mm-hmm. I have finally moved to Los Angeles, and Daniel stowed away. Yes. He was in my trunk. I drove across the country. That's why we recorded three episodes in a row, and we did reruns because I drove all the way across this great nation of ours. And the whole time, Daniel was crammed in the trunk. Yes, with nothing but one of those Sun pouches for mm-hmm. sustenance. Paxson. Paxson. Capri Sun. Yeah. What? Capri Sun. Sun is Pacific Sunwear. Oh no, that's the that's where you the... bought all your hacky sacks. You know what? I used to get my uh, my clothes from Sun back. In I the believe day. it. You yeah. used to dress like a tiki guy. A what? Guys, Daniel was the biggest surfer dude I've ever met in my life. Frosted tips, puka Uh shell necklaces. I did have uh, blonde... Fake uh, tan. I did have blonde tips. Yeah, Uh, I said frosted tips, damn it. I know. Oh, frosted. Frosted means like whitish. I had blonde. They're blonde. When you have frosted tips, it's blonde. Yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah, Ed, we we are definitely in the West Coast all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you said, the last the last time we actually sat down to record an episode, we recorded three episodes in a row because this was like December what twenty third. Yeah, it was quite. It was a couple of days before Christmas. Yeah, it was a couple of days before Christmas. We recorded three episodes in a row because we knew that we were going to be busy. You mm-hmm. were traveling. Not you uh, were in Cincinnati for two weeks. Yes, indeed. Then you uh, journeyed across the nation. This is true. And oh, before we go any further, quickly, mm-hmm. um, the Top Gout 
real promise, not your promise. Um, oh, yeah, if you're yeah, yeah. here for the book talk, if you're actually a person who loves books and wants to hear about A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith, we'll get to it. We promise. So I'm um, swipe up. You'll see in the, um, the show notes. Well, I'm exactly at a time code when we actually start talking about the book. This is a real literature show. We just like to fuck around. And we have a lot to cover right now. We have a lot to cover. For those of you who are old listeners, thanks for sticking around. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with Daniel's antiky intros. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no. uh, Yeah. That's a thing. And also, the two Top Gallon promises I make is that, one, Mm -hmm. every episode will be under an hour. The other promise is that he'll wait for you forever. Yes, I'll wait for you forever. Over, I'm just staring out to I've see. I've been dreaming. What's that? Of you tonight, it's Selena. What? Selena. 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 What's Selena? You know Selena, Te- the Tejano singer. No. She sang "Dreaming of You Tonight." This is Star Raiders. Oh, and Jennifer Lopez <laughs> played her in the seminal film Selena. Oh, oh, Selena. Yeah. Yeah, who got shot by her fan club president? By her fan club. Yeah, her fan. Truly awful story. No, I, I well, yeah, I mean, I was beautiful song. I didn't think about. I don't know. Love those bras. So, this is Slow Readers, mm-hmm. where we talk about moving to El fucking A. We made it, Daniel. Can you fucking believe it? Uh, it's it's kind of surreal. Like, it's extremely surreal. I imagined how, like, weird it was, because uh, you arrived here, like, a week before me. I did indeed. And I was thinking, like, it's going to be so... I can't imagine, rec- well, like, what would be different recording on the West Coast, because we're from the East Coast. Well, we're in a closet. Well, we were in a closet right now. We're clearly moving up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, honestly, this is... this. It's, like, it sounds kind of shitty, like, oh, we're in a walk-in closet. No, it's a walk-in closet. Like, yes. if you're an audio person, you love small rooms without windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to put more... Uh, padding. Padding and such on everything, so hopefully next time. Also, we need to table and chairs yeah daniel and i both uh, <laughs> moved with only I, I took only my toyota camry and daniel flew so mm-hmm. i only things i really packed were like a tv clothes and books i, I should have put all of my uh, criterion blu-rays in your car yeah why don't you fucking do that or books or like because i thought like I, first off i thought it wasn't going to be me watch daniel but, quick which well, books know. did you bring with you to the coast <laughs> which ones are you glad you brought i brought besides for, the tree grows in brooklyn for some reason i was very stubbornly going, hey, I'm going to bring my book of poetry from Jim Harrison. Of course you are. My book of poetry from Seamus You have Seamus the whole thing Haley. highlighted. Yeah, you highlighted the word Eskimo over and over again. Hey, man, that'd be really interesting if we did a book of poetry. Or we could read one of the books in my selected poems from Seamus Haney. Mm-hmm. Um, are, either, are, are there any books of poetry in the Strand 80? Uh, no. Really? I think it's just novels, first off. Oh, okay. Because uh, there's no nonfiction, no poetry. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Um, it's just just novels. Uh, and also there's and a... And five Harry Potters. And it needs to be an eighth Harry Potter uh, books. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we'll get Did to this later, but... Force Cursed Child on there? The more... <laughs> Uh, the fucking uh, uh, beetle bum and what do you call it? Yeah, the tales of Beetle the Bard. Yeah, thing. Uh, we'll talk about this later, but I'm ex- I, I, like, yeah. the more I think about it, the more disappointed I am in the Strand 80. Yeah. Um, also, again, so um, welcome to the first episode of the Strand 80. The Strand 80. Where Daniel and I are going to cover every single book on the Strand's top 80 book list. Yes. Every Give full... us them RT, Strand. <laughs> We're... We're like, and me and Gabriel, as we say that over and over again, we're going to cover every book in the Strand 80. We're kind of like grinning, stifling laughter and like winking at one another. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We're, gonna, I mean, we're, we're not saying we're going to do it like right away. Also, maybe not consecutively. No, I, I think would, we should go every other week. I would love to take a break from reading one of these Strand 80, Strand 80 books. I think every other week we should do a Strand 80 book. We need regularity, Daniel. That's okay. how we get them RTs. Uh, yeah, no, we need regularity. Although I think once a month it would be regularity enough. I think we should go every other week. Well, I think you smell like poop. I think otherwise we're not going to get that, that treasured RT from the Strand. RT from the Strand? Daniel, everyone knows that people love masochistic endeavors and podcasts. Out. So don't for, be lazy. For the listeners, that was me clonking my tooth with the coffee mug. I saw it happen. Um, yeah, and the Strand will totally appreciate us uh, uh, criticizing their Strand eighty list. Which yeah, hey, I think they'll be happy we're doing it. I will do. But before we get there, mm-hmm. um, so what else is new? Yeah, I flew over we're in the here. West Coast. You flew over here. Um, you brought um, a few books, but you're like you really wanted to bring a Jim Harrison poetry book. Yeah, uh, I also brought um, uh, Midnight Sun by. Oh no, I brought a I brought a bunch. I'm trying to you think. Brought, I brought your, my your, your 45 of Black Hole Sun by uh, Soundgarden. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I had to bring that. I had to because yeah, you know I'm a huge treasured Black Hole Sun thing. Uh, Michael Mann, huge uh, Chris Cornell fan. I mean, I like Chris Cornell. R.I.P. Really, I'm not a huge fan. Honestly, his covers are beautiful. He did a really gorgeous cover of uh, Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. Yeah, too bad. It's beautiful. Yeah, too bad. Also, as nothing compares to you, really gorgeous covers. Yeah. 
I couldn't bring any of my records, which is unfortunate. Because those things, yeah. those are the most difficult things in the world to ever. Impossible. I thought, I thought boxes of books were difficult. No. No. If like a small collection of records are, you need a crate. Uh, are monstrously difficult. I can't put them on the plane because they're going to get broken. Mm-hmm. And to ship them, like if you send like five of them, like that's like enough. $30. God forbid. I don't know how many records I even have, to be honest with you, but yeah. like like well, 30 or something. I always like that. said I was going to wait till I got to the West Coast to buy a turntable and start I'm collecting LPs. Yeah. Well, uh, I definitely. Because I'm a hipster. I definitely will at some point. I, I, that is, well, you're a, you're, you're, you are you, the kind of hipster. By Caroline Kepnes. Who? What? That was me blowing the mic. I know. Who? Who? Uh, Hugh? uh, uh, has VHSs. Which yes. I think you're crazy. No, I, I completely agree. It was, it was a completely, like, it, it was like a, a quixotic, quixotic kind of thing that quixotic, I did. Quixotic, which I'm actually disappointed because I thought it was quixotic. No. What, Quixote? Makes sense, though. Yeah. Yeah, but people say it's, Quixotic. It's like anglicized, you know? Yeah, which is kind of yeah. stupid. You're right. Um, yeah, I took way too much space. I packed more tapes than I packed uh, books, <laughs> which is, I, I don't know. There's something about, like, like, like I went to I, film school. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm more of a film person than you are, Daniel. Mm-hmm. So something for me is I find... Like your vinyl thing, mm-hmm. it is incredibly comforting to me to watch a tape. Mm-hmm. Like I was getting ready this morning. I had Cocktail playing on my VCR, and I love Cocktail, and I love it on tape. It's so much more like it's it's like listening to vinyl. It's, it's something the, warm to me. Well, the the thing that I, I mean, I don't mean, all right, Gabriel, I don't yes, mean. Yes, I was very stupid to pack a bunch I, of tapes in my car and drive them across the country. And look, I, I agree. I don't mean to be judgmental or condescending. You? I mean, that would be a silly thing. But I think you're a. Carolyn Kepnes is you? Fucking idiot for buying, bringing all those VHSs. You're not wrong. Watching VHSs and yeah. collecting VHSs. I stupid. love that. They make me so happy. Well, uh, well, here's the thing. The, the difference that I wanted to do. This is why, like, I collect records but not VHSs. Mm-hmm. Is that VHSs are not a superior format? True. Uh, whereas records sound awesome; they really mm-hmm. do. Like, and they they sound they sound incredible. Also, especially like the like the real vinyl, as opposed to like I don't I don't want to call it, but like digital like vinyl, digitized vinyl, which is basically about like the CD quality of something, yeah. which isn't bad, but not great. Yeah, it, it, that that feels a little artificial. Like you can honestly get better sound quality like off of like a uh, wave files going or, off like title or something or something like that. Yeah. Um, also, on top of this. I, I, you know very well. My, We're audio my, producers. My history. Oh, fuck, what was that? You know very well. Yeah, that was me uh, uh, just throwing my phone across the room. I did see that. <laughs> um, uh, you know me. Oh, like man. I, There's an amazing story I have to tell you, actually. A very good anecdote and Gable from my Cincinnati days. Okay, uh, I'll tell, I'll say this. Finish you the story, that, I'll tell that one. And then we'll go on break because we're a tight ship. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so... Like you're, uh, you're like a slovenly captain being like, we got to get this ship tighter. And I'm like, I'm ready. I'm like the mayor in that book, The Moon is Down. He's a slob, but the moment like a, like there's an urgency, he becomes a true leader. You're like the mayor in Saint-Denis and Red Dead Redemption 2, ineffectual and corrupt. I don't know what you're talking about. You will soon. I'll be a, like a Mexican mayor. Fantastically corrupt. There you go. Um, Fabulously so, corrupt. What the fuck was I saying? <laughs> Shit. Um, oh, yeah. So records. Okay. So you know my history with music where I, I used to be a very big music person. You've actively said on the show many times you don't like music. Yeah. And then and then I stopped very suddenly. And I think one of the things that made me stop, and I think this is important for us millennials because we're- um, I we're, believe it was- uh, um, plans by Death Cab for Cutie. No, it was The Hazards of Love by Death Cab for Cutie. That was that, close. I think that... I, by by December, you mean. I think, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, by December. Yeah, that was close. Um, That was the... Because, like, as much as I... Yeah, anyway, not getting into that. But but I stopped buying we CDs. We were roommates then, too. I used to love... Yeah, the last time we were roommates was the last time I bought CDs, which was a long time yeah. ago. No, we were roommates again briefly in another part of Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, but, yeah briefly because of uh, Eve. Yeah, there's <laughs> a third time we're roommates. <laughs> but that was only... That I essentially lived in your walk-in closet. Yes, you did. Uh, like a true hey, that used to be my bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was your bike room, actually. Yeah, it was the jazz room. Uh, so, no, no. Um, so, yeah, I stopped... Like, and something happens when... Because I used to buy CDs a lot. Like, even mm-hmm. with, like... Like, you can illegally download C- music, and we all did. We all did. But, like, the thing is, when... Like, when I stopped buying CDs, when I was just like, this isn't worth it, um, like, my tr- mu- my 
music interest drop. And because I was going to say your sex drive dropped. And there's this fantastic like I stopped really getting into music. The thing that really got me into like like getting music again is the idea about not just buying physical copies of something. And I can't stress enough, like, records are also the most aesthetically pleasing to look at. Like, yeah, it's holding a physical copy of something. Yeah, like... It's why I don't understand, like, for me, well, they, they the idea of too. downloading, a, like, of collecting a downloaded, like, I don't buy digital movies. Mm. For me, that feels, like, perverse. I don't like owning downloaded movies. I'll buy a physical copy if I want to own it. But the, yeah, which is something that, another thing that me and you don't, because I buy tons of digital movies. Yeah. And I'll, just, I'll go to flea markets and find 50 cent VHS, VHS tapes of awesome classic 80s films. And, and that brings me pure joy. And meanwhile, like I, I can right now on our fancy ass TV, mm. if if we we don't actually have all oh, sixty nine <laughs> inches of it. Yeah, sixty nine inches, yeah. specially made for us. Mm-hmm. It has a, it has our pictures superimposed over the screen. Yeah. So that as you're watching a a a a police academy four, mm-hmm. it's our faces over superimposed. It. So, no, like, uh, like right now, if we actually had, like, an Apple TV or, uh, like, the, the new thing or the uh, PlayStation oh, Pro, we could watch a 4K uh, a version of, like, a movie, and it'll look so amazingly clear on digital. Mm-hmm. So, like, digital can be, as again, like, kind of like a superior, can be a superior quality for the most part. Um, but that's, so, yeah. that's why I'm saying, like, that's where I would... I think part of my it. thing about collecting VHS is that... Clearly, there's only movies up to a certain point on them, and collecting an old movie on VHS is very rewarding to me. Mm. That obviously, like for me, idea of spend, uh, I don't need a 4K transfer of Avengers Endgame or something. Like that's that sounds cool, but do I really need it? Well, that's I'd a... rather I'd rather enjoy it in the theater experience. Well, on top of that, I don't know if you. I mean, do you want to own a physical copy of Avengers: Infinity War? Like, well, let's let's say something like this. Um, what about the, uh, last... the Handmaiden? If it was The yeah, Handmaiden. Was there so was one of like the last movies 4K. I bought hard copy was The Handmaiden. Okay. Maybe, but then again, that's what I pay for for a theater experience. Like for me, the home video experience is about comfort, not about spectacle. If I want spectacle, I go to the movies. And I love spectacle, which is why I go to the movies all the time. Eat fart. Does Eat, eat fart, fart, you old man. No, I don't know. I miss Eve. Yeah, no. Uh, hopefully Eve's all right. Yeah. Cut to Eve frozen. Just frozen, <laughs> clutching frozen himself on the, of a on the subway, covered he, in vomit. He fucking texted me back from two or three days ago. Maybe because I was just bragging about our nice weather. Yeah. Oh, our, we, should, we, should take our, a, we should take a photo while we're in the new studio and I'll send it to him. Our gorgeous, uh, our gorgeous West Coast, uh, Southern West Coast. Uh, Insanely uh, perfect weather. Which is, which is embarrassingly, amazingly well. Yeah, Solid. There that was a picture break. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, so that's what that is. Yeah. Uh, no, basically, like, and you know, but you know what actually really gets me into music again? Yeah. Physically handing one, and not only that, but a record. Sure. It's only going to be like 25 minutes at max on one side, so mm-hmm. you have to, like, pay physically, attention and, yeah. and, like, change it over. I like that as well. There's something about all of that, like, owning the physical copy, the fact that the record is, the like, the most pretty thing like it's like you can literally just put in a frame and hang on a wall it's so pretty well i'm aware where i think isn't that the hallmark of the millennial age is the fact that we've seen the fastest change of technology in our lifetime yes and we also appreciate and that's also a trend where like uh people are appreciating textures and yeah we we like kind of crave that sense of just being like i want to feel the music that's why i like seeing tracking on my vhs yeah that's i think you're crazy Mm-hmm. For me, like, if I see Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade without that Diet Coke commercial in front of it, it feels weird. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I watched a shit out of that tape. I think um I used to see that uh, for Home Alone, I think, it had, like, the Diet, the, the Diet Coke commercial. Sure. Yeah. Just I for the that's... taste of it? What? Just for the taste of it, Diet Coke. Is that ta- oh, Just for the taste of it, um, Diet Coke, Indiana remember, Jones. Remember that awful uh, James Bond commercial? I, I think that was coming out for Spectre, where it was clear. Remember that? Where right like now. it was it was very similar to that. I don't have a TV. What? Yeah, I know. I didn't watch it on TV too. But it was, so it was something else. Quick sidebar. Is that poking your foot? Yeah, Daniel has one of our pop filters on the floor, <laughs> and my foot was on the my foot is stretched out because we're sitting on the floor, and I'm kind of really weird. And I realized that Daniel is toying with it, and it's like he's tickling my foot with the pop <laughs> I didn't, filter. I didn't I'm like, realize what the, the other side was, po- doing? was poking the bottom of the sole of your foot. Yes, it was very odd. And to be fair, Gabriel was super into it. You didn't yeah. see his face; he was going all like I lit up. Yeah, I was getting really flushed. 
But uh, but no, that's so. Let's stop talking about that. Gabriel, you said you have a Danicdotes and Gable. I do. Okay, well, Danicdote and Gable is up. New listeners, um, listeners, new listeners. Um, we have a segment called Danicdotes and Gables. And the music goes. Dan 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 anecdotes. Dan dan dan. We never get it. You go up or do I stay down? No, you stay in the same thing. Okay, fine. Here we go. Dan 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 anecdotes. Dan 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 anecdotes. So yeah, we'll figure it out. Good enough. That was actually that sounded better than than any of them before. All right. So we share anecdotes and fables about our lives, usually embarrassing and horrible ones. Yeah. Usually yours are. You do anecdotes and fables more less regularly than me, and yours are also like a hundred times more graphic. Yeah, they're very disgusting often. Okay. So listeners, for my birthday. Daniel got me Birth one of those day. anchor charger things, you know, like one of those like, little handheld uh, energy packs. Mm-hmm. So you can just plug your phone into it, which was very helpful to me before I upgraded my phone, but still helpful. Mm-hmm. So um, I generally I'll walk around with it. I'll have my phone plugged in because I'm not good about charging my phone. So one fine day in Cincinnati, I was out with the professor. We were having a lovely day. Professora. We were having a lovely day out. Um, we go to this wonderful restaurant um, called, like, Salazar. It was this amazing, tiny little restaurant. Uh, very good food. We have, like, these tiny fried oyster sandwiches. Like, really nice place. We had a couple cocktails. And we're just trying to plan our day, relax. I have my, I have my phone charger. I have the anchor in my phone, my jacket pocket. And I have, it's attached to my phone. It's plugged into my phone to charge. And I have it that in my other pocket. So we have our meal. We have, we're like, oh, so where should we go next? Let's go to the museum. Let's have a good day. And I'm like, um, okay, um, let's get going. I stand up. And as I swing my coat around, put it around my shoulders, the anchor is still connected to my phone. So the phone, whip, like it activates like a sling. And the phone swings like and whips across the room and very nearly hits an old lady in the face. Like, like, imagine, my, like, so I stand up, I pull my coat on, something whips out of my pocket like a sling, and I realize it's my phone, and this table of four old ladies are like, oh, my goodness! <laughs> like, the professor's horrified, and I'm horrified, luckily for me, and more luckily for the old woman, well, maybe for me, no one was harmed, mm-hmm. my phone was unbroken, hey. and the old lady had a very good sense of humor about it. Good. So I very embarrassedly <laughs> ran over, grabbed my phone, and we quickly exited. So, thanks to Daniel's birthday gift, I very almost smacked an old lady in the face very hard with the propulsion of a sling with my very heavy phone. And you know, slings are like legit weapons, right? No, like, like the, the sound it made was awful. Yeah, I can't believe your phone's all right. Yeah, no, um, like, I have a nice otter box, so that, that, I can't believe it's fine. That story began with me just going, oh no, did you lose it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's over there in the room. All right, good. No, I, I, worse, I turned it into a weapon. Well, you know what? Good. I, I, like, <laughs> afterwards, me and, me and the professor are walking on the street, and I'm like, life is funny and fragile. I'm pretty sure if that had hit that woman in the face, my life would be different forever afterwards. Because for all I know, that lady would have wanted to sue me, and that would have been the end of my life. It could have ran. I could have ran, but then also I'd have to live with the with the whole guilt of having been the woman in the face of my phone. Well, you know what? Well, you'd live with the guilt, sure, but mm-hmm. um, to get away from that, like if you literally left the state, uh, you'd be pretty good. Because and I did not, leave the state. That's not that much of a federal thing. Yeah, I know it's a thing. You didn't have to stay around. Mm-hmm. It's not a federal thing. So but I like Cincinnati. Get you. So that would yeah. be you could have gotten away with that. I could never return to Cincinnati. Yeah. I'd become a meme. So, uh, good story. Thanks, bro. Uh, uh, you're welcome uh, for that gift. Yeah, it's been very helpful, especially uh, on my cross-country drive. Yeah, I know, I bet. Um, uh, and that just goes to show, dear listeners, uh, uh, listener readers out there, um, uh, anything can be a weapon. Yes. So, uh, we're running a bit long. Really? Yes. Us? Uh, let's go on break right now. When we come back, we have books to talk about. Ooh. Did I say books? Ho, ho. <laughs> Tree Goes to Brooklyn, it's sequel. Tree Harder. That sounds good. Uh, a tree grows in... The Bowery Ballroom. The tree grows in... The Music Hall of Williamsburg. Where would it be? Where would the, oh, we can talk about it later when we talk about the book. Uh, let's Daniel go on and break. I lived in Brooklyn. So, go on a break. All right. Now. I'm going to stretch my legs. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Listener readers. Mm-hmm. Twos. 
the readers your weekly fast-paced literature podcast if you like the true book fan you are skipped ahead from all of our bullshit to the actual book talk welcome to the real show mm-hmm. welcome to the realness welcome to the main daniel's gonna spit fire thing that we do like 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 a circus performer not a rapper oh yeah yeah good point yeah i don't yeah. spit fire i can't rap for shit no uh this is so readers hi everyone uh you're i'm still Gab- gabe you're gabriel i'm daniel um, and that's the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Tree Gabe. grows in Brooklyn. Gabriel, yo. More like boredom grows out of my fingertips. Oh, because Gabe hated this book. I hated it. I loved it, actually. Uh, Gabriel. What? We have to talk about a book. And not mm-hmm, only that, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is part of the Strand 80. The Strand 80, baby. Can you pull up that list? Because what number on this? Is? I believe it was number 14. Okay. And this, this, there actually is like an order to that, right? Like yeah. number one is number one. No, I don't think so, actually. I think it's kind of an arbitrary list. Is it? Okay. I, I believe. Uh, they're not ranked. I think I think number one is like To Kill a Mockingbird, so... So perhaps yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's not ranked. Okay. I think... I thought it was, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's basically early on, and uh, we read this. Uh, a Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. That's the book we're going to talk about. And Gabriel... That's my name. Don't I have to say... Number 18. I'm sorry. Number 18? Okay. Is there, is there, is there uh, an order? Here's what it says. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with The Strand, The Strand is the largest bookstore in the world. Yeah. Daniel and I frequent it very often in New York, where mm-hmm. he used to live. I actually used to manage a coffee shop, like, two blocks from it. And a lot of good friends of mine were going all the time. I love that bookstore. Um, here's what it says. Okay. The Strand bookstore is making the entire Strand 80 collection available at a stellar discount price. Based solely on the responses of our customers, the books that comprise this unique library of readers' favorites encompass a wide spectrum of interests and passions. So basically, it's Yar. just reader favorites. It's reader. Okay, yeah, reader. And we we have a number of bones to pick with it, but you know, whatever. All right, saw that you just posted. Um, yeah, that's what that is, and we're going to read all eighty. Oh, all eighty fucking books. We've 80, already done two of them, coincidentally. 80, eighty fucking books. We're gonna this. Okay, and what I'm gonna say is that this is going to change as we go on, because when we hit a book that first off we already done, second off one of the fucking Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. We gotta do it. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, I mean, nope, Daniel, we gotta do it. What? I don't like cheating when we start an endeavor. Well, I love cheating mm-hmm. because that's what your ex-wife told me. Because <laughs> if you ask my ex-wife, I sport cheat. No, I'm kidding. Um, mm-hmm. Sport cheat. Sport cheat. I don't understand. Like you, like you cheat. Like you, as a sport? Do you cheat in Madden? No, like you cheat as it's a sport. Like during flag football? Just during when I play the video game. Madden. Gotcha, gotcha. You're a real teabagger. It is disgusting. God damn it. All right. All you guys got to deal with this. You always play the most oversexed character, and your wife always played Zangief, and you teabagged relentlessly. I what? I, I teabag Zangief? Do you not know the term teabagging? I know what teabagging is. Why am I teabagging? In video games. Yeah, why am I teabagging Zangief? I was implying that you would play Street Fighter against your wife, and you'd cheat, and then you'd teabag her, and you only ever played the sexiest women, and she only played Zangief, and you teabagged her every time. How do you cheat in Street Fighter? I don't know. You spam? Well, that's just like, this is being good. Yeah, that's just, that's that's called playing Street Fighter if you're not like a sport, uh, what do you call it, gamer athlete. (laughs) So enough about Street Fighter. Books. We got a book to talk about. So yeah, no, we're going to. We're reading the Street Fighter. I'll complain about that later. So we read uh, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith, Mm -hmm. a novel from 1952? Really? 52? Yeah, Hot diggity damn. Or I was like, no, no, it was in the 40s. It came out and uh, people in World War II read it. Um, Yeah, 45. 45. Yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, 45. Um, the Apparently re- it was a big hit among soldiers in the war front. Yeah, they're like, they're, I think on the top of Wikipedia page, which is where we get all our research. That's true. Uh, <laughs> no, they're, on the top of the page, it says something about like how a soldier like like wrote like this glowing letter about like how much he appreciated it. Um, and also it just, it's, it's interesting that like, uh, like yeah, there was like a copy of this that was like that was portable and readily available for soldiers in for American soldiers in World War II, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean like but like aside the qualities of the book, I'm like really for this book, all right, I, I can mean, see that sure. you know that's, it's that's it's cool. like it's like the the sentimental bestseller about the hard times about and makes you feel like home that kind of thing. It's about your family. You see your daughter in Francie. You see yourself in Johnny. That kind of thing. And uh, and this very much has this very much is like a like i didn't really know anything about this me neither book going in uh having read this i have two reactions first off this is the most literary thing that we've read so far you think so I, th- yeah as an american literature not so much because i feel like you can talk about like you know crime and punishment sure this felt like a like, true what, literary what about... like like 
like effort. Well, define literary because we d- we did do that 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 what's it called? I mean, we we've, we've not shied away from great books. We've done Graham Greene and Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, but those aren't yeah, but those aren't like like the, the neither of those books. You'll never find Graham Greene or uh, Cormac McCarthy on the Strand eighty. It's still um, shocking to me. Which McCarthy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Graham Greene. He's not. He, he's he's kind of like falling out of favor. My shirt's just bigger. like kind of stuck in your head. Yeah, my I have a lot of hair. Oh, it's also I think you have the headphones on it. Yeah, that's, that's why. so funny. Okay, sorry, we're in a walk-in closet. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, the so like, like those aren't like the great books. Like, and my uh, thing that I would say, my criticism of the Strand eighty would be, you can move that shirt if you like. No, it is my friend. Uh, <laughs> My cri- my criticism of the Strain eighty is that both is that like our our top one was that like it's infuriating that like six spots or whatever are Harry Potter books yeah, even though it's this annoying double standard because if you put Lord of the Rings as one and Chronicles of Narnia as one as a single entity as a single entity yes. you do all of Harry Potter as one yeah. you don't do the separate Harry Potter books that's just that's that that rankles my like my my need to organize it makes me very very annoyed there's something very pandery about that yeah, but just because Harry, me out. Harry Potter is the hugest thing now yeah. that like they're just like well, and Chronicles it's not even all be, six books it's like one. four of them yeah, and also I think the top, the the highest ranked one, is Sorcerer's if, Stone. if it is a rank, is the first one, a book we already read. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you listen to Stephen Fry do it. So there's that. My second complaint. Yeah. No surprises. <laughs> like it's kind yeah. of like exactly, like if you made a, a list of eighty books, like don't get me wrong, I would never have thought they would have done that with the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask like like fill 80 spots of like what should be considered what would be considered like the top 80 like Amer like english speaking uh mm-hmm. english uh, uh, novels um like it would They're pretty much just be english. that list yeah. uh which is i mean that's always kind of the disappointing thing in terms of literature I, I think where also that has to come you have to think about the fact that this trend still wants to be accessible let's say like yeah. if these are the 80 books everyone should read then you, you and i like i mean not that we're that well read. I think we're well read enough that we have a literature podcast. Yeah. So these are obvious picks to us. But imagine if you're a high school student, you're like, oh, I should learn all about these books. Um, fifteen years ago, I didn't know most of these books. I'd heard of them, but I mean, honestly, like I was kind of. 15, it was funny that we ago. ended up off um, huh? the tree grows in Brooklyn as our very first one to do. We just we rolled on an eighty sided die to figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm glad it landed on this one. This is a book I've known about. I mean, there's so many like Looney Tunes jokes about it. Uh, yeah, which is weird. Huh? Yeah, it's just a weird thing. It's always a joke about dogs pissing on trees. Well, it's like um, it's like Simpsons with Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I mean, I I get it well, that there are no surprises on that thing other than what's left out. Yeah. But I think we're coming at it from a place of we seek out like things that are surprising and like spectacular to us as book people. Yeah, well, speaking of which... I think the Strand 80s them being like, these are the books you should read. This is our most charming, first, like our, our personality face, the Strand 80. If yeah. you want anything more, you just walk into the Strand, into literally any section. Still, my criticism of that would just be, it feels, it's very, like, populist, of course, right? Like, it's, sure. it's no surprises because it's like, there's, like, besides... Uh, Like, I'm actually curious if, like, we're the ones who would complain about the Harry Potter thing being controversial, even though I feel like other people would just be like, oh, good. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know, but maybe we'll ask around. We'll see how people feel. I, I but think like, I asked you but, this question before, Daniel. Do you think it's it's better to not read at? Uh, I had this debate all the time with my highly literate, awful ex girlfriend, um, the one who actually turned me on to this book. Um, she was furious that her niece was reading the Twilight books. Uh-huh. But if what do you think is better, to not read at all or to be reading the Twilight books? Reading uh, reading the Twilight books, but it, it really... As long as you're using it as a springboard to read better books. As long as that's the case. I mean, like, look, t- here's the thing. I, I mean, I remember, like, f- like not thinking very highly of Twilight's uh, when they came out, when they were coming out. And you've t- did a but... full 180 on those. You love them now. Well, it's not so much that, but it's just like... Your Edward Cullen tattoo is amazing. Compared to... Compared to like some of the, like the more recent like kind of popular books in that vein, mm-hmm. Twilight it now by comparison is high literature, quaint. even though it's still not well written. Yeah. Um. Also, still not a good book. Mm-hmm. Also, still, I, it's a different kind of depiction of gender types, and it's still pretty demeaning, and it's also very like, 
the it's like highly it's like the the sexual attention is palpable if you're like a Christian teen. Yeah, I feel like um, it's just made it looks better now in comparison to Fifty Shades. Yeah, just because it's like a, a fucking forty something year old woman mm-hmm. wrote dirty fan fiction based on it and then sold it and is a terrible and is a much worse person. Yeah, they never said it was um great literature. People yeah. just bought well, it, but I think and I'm, I'm happy be, people are reading it all. That would be my thing. It's like Stephanie Mayer. It's like. No, I can, I can criticize her story for what it is, but it's just like, but she still did. It was an original she story. She did her thing or whatever. Least, yeah. Whereas like E.L. James is like, well, she's just a horrible Yeah, person. no, yeah. She's just a bad person. All right. Uh, anyway, so that's our discussion of A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Join See you guys next, next week. week, guys. No. Um, next so, week, Fifty Shades Free. So, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. By Betty Smith, 1945. Uh, I listened to this book. Well, first, Daniel, what's it about? It's about a tree growing in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. No, um, this is the story of, I'm actually not too, I feel like, wait, what? What's the war that happens in that? Is that World War One or World War Two? Maybe World War One. Is it World War One? Okay, it's very early twentieth century, uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. Yes. Um, back when it used to be basically nothing but uh, a lot of like white immigrants, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Irish, Italians, and this book Polish. is the most New Yorker thing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like New Yorker, as in person from New York, or the magazine New Yorker. The people from New York could be both. I don't know anything about the New Yorker. Mag- I can't even make a joke about that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't my, really my, know. Like, I know the c- cartoons. Well, no, my, my parents are, like, to this day, like, loyal subscribers, and my mom is always trying to get me to read short stories from it. And I usually am like, Mom, I'm reading comics. <laughs> I'm jerking off the dirty comics. Mom, I'm trying to read my hentai. Uh, no, my parents don't uh, read magazines, especially, like, like kind of, like, nose-up uh, 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 mm-hmm. New Yorker magazines. Sure. Um, I mean, that's how I would describe it. Where yeah. I, no, like, It's not, don't get me wrong, I mean, that's something I would get into. Yeah. But, like, my parents are not into that. No, I, I would, I'd be surprised. Like, like, like your mom, <laughs> hardcore Dallas Cowboys fan, is also like, check out this New Yorker article. I'd be like, cool. Yeah, my mother would not do that. Uh, El Paso. Um, sure. So, <laughs> so no, no. Uh, it's the most New Yorker thing in the world. It's, I mean, to the from all. Yeah. The, what do you mean by that? From all the things from it's just like it. It feels so. It, it's a very, and uh, clearly this like is that, what, that's an extremely broad thing to say. What's this? No, it's a, it's also hyperbolic. Uh, and like, you know, it's it's just like all all the different stories, like from the beginning when like it has a very. It, there's no straightforward structure to this it for a while there's for for sections it just feels like it's just like a series of anecdotes yeah um they don't it's essentially a generational epic yeah it's not like a serial or anything like that no. it's not like it's not a singular story that is being told rather and it is a very small intimate story specific mm-hmm. more or less focused on uh one girl i think what it, it's like from her like 12 to 17 or something like, like that? 11 to 11 to 17 okay and also like it flashes back into the histories of her grandparents and her parents yeah and when like before they before they had her mm-hmm. and everything but it's basically the story of her kind of maturing from that time in francie nolan brooklyn um and it, yeah it's it's it involves the story of uh, her mother and father yeah, uh, who so are... her growing up in brooklyn with her um with her lensless huge horn-rimmed glasses and her full sleeve tattoos yes exactly mm-hmm. and it's uh, about that's about how she went to go see a vampire weekend she had a lot of vhs's uh, she did with you no uh, no i mean but no this is early 20th century so uh, to mm-hmm. be ironic back then um was to die. Was to die. Was to yes. die young. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, what an irony. Uh, no. Um, it's um, it's a wonderful depiction of poverty and and also just the neighborhood. I, I mm-hmm. feel like oh like, yeah, it's a good like like a painting of an area kind of thing. It's very. It's like it's a pastoral of there you of, go. Of Williamsburg, it's a city Brooklyn. pastoral. It's a city pastoral. Is there a term for that? Urban pastor? I don't know. I don't know if there is. Like, I don't think there is. I mean, it, it, like, I would dare just tweet call at it. us. Yeah, tweet at us what this is or what, because I feel like we can probably lump together other examples of that that I can't think of right now. Uh, but anyway, so and and basically, yeah, that's what it is. It's it, it's it's very much about time and place and also just like a very truthful history of something. Yeah. Um, it feels. Uh, I don't know if you re- did. You read the introduction to this book. Um, no, I, I usually skip them because wow. honestly the spoilers bum me out. We are, uh, this is, this is a bit of a, a reversal here because I, uh, on the thing, it begins with, uh, reading the introduction. Mm-hmm. It was about some lady who really loved, uh, I feel like that's really, dismiss- I think she's a writer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a lady who like basically grew Anna up. Anna Quindlin. 
There we go. And uh, she's talking about like the appreciation of this and what it meant to her mm-hmm. um, and how like important it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is basically like the Catcher in the Rye before Catcher in the Rye. Sure. As in like, it's like something that you, that like, young people grew up with and loved mm-hmm. it and just like would glow and they'd be like, Tree Grows in Brooklyn. That's a good fucking story. Yeah. It's weirdly fallen out of favor. I think most people don't know what it is. Even as a kid, didn't know what it is, except for the cartoon references. And even that's probably dead by now. Yeah. And I feel the reason for this is that as... Probably, uh, that was me blowing the mic again, uh, as probably mm-hmm. as, um, as accessible and involving as this is, uh, it's extremely it's, it's very readable. long. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very long book. It's, it's very long. That's, that's what basically be like, it is like, um, yeah, it's, it's it, a lo- it it's didn't a feel that long to me to be honest, but then now and again, I'd be like, I'd be driving for like six hours and I'm like, boy, I'm not even halfway through, huh? Yeah. Uh, watching, because, like, um, I look at the timer, and it would be, like, I forgot exactly how long the, the audiobook was. Actually, I can, I can look it up right here. But, like, I would listen to this in, like, several hours a day, mm-hmm. and then I'd be, like, man, hopefully I'm almost done. And then it's, like, not even halfway. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, so, like, yeah. it's it's a it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a thick book, yeah. and I think that's the only reason why it's fallen out of favor. I I suppose like, so. You know me, I'm very I think it's been supplanted in history by like you said by like Catherine or I as like as your is your essential coming of age story in New York. Yeah, I don't know how it's only 15 hours. Uh, really? Also, shout out to uh Kate Burton who does a fantastic Who's read Kate of Burton? This. Oh, she's great though. This. I really liked her voice. Um, uh, the shout out to her who did a fantastic job reading this. Yeah. She's very like I loved yeah. her her reading. Um, she's fan- like she does all the voices really well. Yeah, and it's just lots of like lots of really delicious. Mary Romilly and her accents and yeah. like all the people. Uh, no, like um, I my only complaint about her is that, <laughs> and maybe this is also the way that the book's written is anytime someone whispers, she has like that stage whisper kind of yeah. thing. I, just, I, I don't know. No, it's like it a weird thing to me. complain about, yeah. but it's just yeah. no. I mean, like the story, it, it's it's very straightforward. It is just about it's from the point of view of Francie Nolan, eleven years old, Most seventeen of it. year old, almost all of it, and also like the what's it called and the reflections of her mother Katie, her father Johnny, who was like a singer, mm-hmm. yeah, and her, like, her grandparents, and it's on her younger brother Neely, and it just follows Katie growing up and. Williamsburg and like poverty and also the deeply human experience of what it means to be that person. Yeah. And um, uh, speaking of spoilers, the one Uh-oh. thing that was spoiled in the introduction that I'm going to spoil for the, for the people out there, because mm-hmm. it's not, I don't think the story suffers at all knowing that it happens. I think out of anything, it lends itself very greatly, especially to like the early depictions of that character. Sure. Is that uh, the probably the most significant, significant moment of uh, young Francine's life. Francie. Francie. I'm gonna forget all these character names, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's why I, I'm I wasn't. Here. I wasn't doing a keep. I wasn't doing a good job keeping up with their names. That's why we're a team, Daniel. Especially the, especially the the mom and her sisters, Katie. Like Evie, I was just Sissy. mixing them all up. There's three of them. Yeah, I, I know. I was still mixing them up. Yeah, um, I also like because like I would do something while listening to this. The Romilly's. Like, my attention would sometimes like kind of drift out and then come back in. So mm-hmm. like like it would be like this wonderful like stream of consciousness story where like at some point I'm like. Who are these sisters of time on? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess one of them's the mom. All right, yes. and, and, but don't get me wrong. I kind of really liked that. It was really yeah. enjoyable. Listeners, that's Daniel's fault, not the book's fault. No, yeah, yeah. Also, my yeah, my attention isn't great, but um, you? I mean, let's see if if all you guys can fucking follow every little detail of like someone reading a story to you for fifteen hours. Jerks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fuck you, Gabe. Hey, how dare you? Fuck you. Anyway, what's this thing that was spoiled? Uh, oh yeah, sorry. So the one thing that was spoiled in the introduction. Uh, is the fact that uh, the most significant point of uh, Francie's life is that her father passes away. Yes, uh, Johnny is a handsome, charming, like, singing waiter, mm-hmm. and as he gets older and older, it becomes more and more of, like, a dissolute alcoholic. Yeah, and, and Gabriel, something tells me you love this character. Um, weirdly, I, I, I do, but mm-hmm. for me, like... I did no. I did not love the character. Really? Okay. I thought that you would love this character. No, Daniel. If there's one thing I like about a human being, it's a good work ethic. Uh huh. And the fact that Johnny did not have one made me kind of like. Ugh. Well, he's a tragic character. His thing is that like he always wanted to. He always, always, always wanted to be like somebody, the, like support his family. He loved his family, and he never could. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, mean, the whole thing. Like, he's he's this charming kind of dude. No, um, I I, the thing I liked about him was his affection for Francie mm-hmm. and that was kind of where it ended because honestly like his inability to perf- like and also the there's, uh, there's an amazing there's an am- like, maybe the, I think that one of the best chapters in the whole book is mm-hmm. the story of uh of um Katie um, John- Johnny's wife Francie's mm-hmm. mom her giving birth and it's it shows the parallel stories of the horror agony frustration terror and 
utter, utter awfulness of giving birth. Mm-hmm. And while well, well, Katie's doing that, while Johnny's off getting drunk thinking he has it bad. Yeah. And so it follows follows like this crucible that Katie's going through. And also it shows like like Johnny going from bar to bar feeling sorry for himself and everything. <laughs> and it just it shows exactly how like weak he is and how like 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 pathetic a character. But then it's it's not just him. It's a depiction of like of how we don't understand each other's pain. Mm-hmm. Like it was weirdly like relevant to today in the sense that men think they have it so bad. Yeah, it's um, no, yeah, I would love, I love something like this where it, it's a character you love, you feel bad for, you you sympathize for, mm-hmm. but he himself is just like a very weak, flawed person. Yeah, one of my favorite parts with Johnny is uh, like early on when he's being introduced and he's going he's very off, lovable. He's going on also about how he didn't want to be a father and mm-hmm. that he it was like the worst thing that's ever happened to him, even yeah. despite the fact that and he's again, telling his daughter, despite the fact that yeah, he's telling his daughter this is right, and despite the fact that he loves his daughter more than anything and his daughter loves him, but he's mm-hmm. still like. He's still like, I don't, I, I can't be. Yeah, like, how do I end up in this? And if he, and sure enough, like he knows the fact that he is not meant for this. He's not, he's not meant to this. be a father. He, yeah. He's not that kind of person. Like that's very touching. Um, I, I actually, com- I almost completely forgot about that first birth part. I was thinking about the second birth part when uh, Kate's having birth to her you know, third child. Yeah. Katie's already like resigned. Like, like, oh, I love that scene as well. Like, yeah. with, with, like that Francie and Katie have such a, like, clearly I am not a daughter. And I'm not a mother. <gasps> I know. But it's such a wonderful little... Like, uh, ladies who listen to the show, like, I'd love to hear from you. Like, that scene is just so... The, the relationship between Francie and Katie is, like, such key to this whole book of, like, how they're so alike and how they they rely on each other to suffer for one another. Yeah. Katie more so on Francie. I would say, like, that... Out of it, like, if they're, Francie's, they're all forced to grow up so quickly. I would say, yeah, because also... um. Like, the parents are very, like, they're young parents, like, back in the day as they mm-hmm. were. Like, Johnny, when he dies, and, like, Francie is, like, f- like 15, 16-ish? Something like that. Something like that? Like, like he was 14, only 34. Like, he's roughly our age. No, I think she I think she was 13. 13? Because uh, yeah, like, she starts working soon afterwards. Like, we're, we're like regardless of that, like, he was only 34. Like, yeah. I, we, we're treating him, like, when we're thinking about parent age, he must be, like, in his 40s. Yeah. No, he's, like, We're he's almost like 34. Yeah. He is, like, in our day and age, like, a kid. Yeah. Um. So, and, like, uh, yeah. So, and I think, like, if there is, like, a central, a very much a central story to mm-hmm. this, besides, like, the themes and everything, that it is about Francie's relationship Primarily with each of her parents. Yeah. Um, because the, yeah. As, and as, herself. As lovely, it, and her about herself, but. Um, like it's, it's it's almost comical how quickly, like, we get to know Ben Blake, and then it's like, oh, okay, that's happening. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, the, because, like, that, the, yeah, that's only a small portion of the book. So much mm-hmm. of this, it's about the relationship with the father, as we said, but also the relationship with the mother. The mother who very tellingly favors the boy yes uh, neely, neely mm-hmm. um which is which has some pretty great moments i yeah. forgot what were the but one thing i think well, like, like beyond tellingly it's it's a it's a compassionate understanding where you have that moment that i love that she says like she gives birth to neely uh-huh. and she says i'm gonna love this boy more than i love francie yeah that's an <laughs> awful thing to think it's, it's true it... i must do my best to make sure i don't show him too much favoritism <laughs> but it's 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 this book shows our inner desires and our guilt at them very very compassionately and that you know what that's what makes a great literary character very flawed people because you and also the fact that as much as yeah, you like, love Katie, like straight up steals Johnny from her best friend <laughs> Yeah, she does. They do some pretty horrible things. Everyone does a, whole, a couple um, horrible things. Pretty much. Except for Grandma Romilly. Francie really did anything bad. Francie does a bunch of things. Like, she lies and she steals. She gets that doll. That's, that's it not. It turned out to be, like, okay by her. Because her name still not is the, Mary oh, the doll anyway. thing. Yeah. Oh, no. I I loved Francie's. Uh, <laughs> um, like, it's a joy to, watching re- Francie grow up. Like, basically, uh, through uh, maturing, through lying, she becomes like a creative type. Like a I love that. That's yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, and like the first lie was. <laughs> what there was like some rich some rich lady with like a rich girl saying like oh this rich one what, like no that's child... the second lie that was the second lie oh. the first lie was about like the cakes or something in class oh, the cakes thing the second one was big where um she says like this like, rich little girl is named Mary it's... and she wants to give away this doll because she doesn't need it now is there any other girl in this church named Mary some 
poor child. Some poor child. Is there some poor I, child I who like needs was, it all? I feel like what there was like another way, like a more condescending way. Where yeah, it, it was, was like it was. It's it was, everyone shits so hard on the Nolans for being poor. They're 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 also everyone. There's a lot of people, especially in institutions, like, like teachers, her teacher especially who like shits on her. It's like like why are you writing such awful things? There, Write about flowers. There, there, there is you get a C. There is that which is which is wonderfully infuriating. And, yeah, it's, and, it's such great storytelling. And early earlier on with like the teacher, remember like the teachers who like wouldn't let the like the kids use the bathroom yeah. and such. The teachers all these we're, awful spinsters. Where like whenever someone asks to use the bathroom, she's like, "I'm you're not fooling me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, for all and she just like pisses her pants. And uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Like all of them like tend to be like very like they don't. There, there's no sense of like understanding. Yeah. Life is hard for almost everyone in this book. Yeah. It, it is. It's Williamsburg was a hard place and it's a hard these, time. Nineteen, 19 early nineteen hundreds. And a lot of these, a lot of these kids, especially, mm-hmm. are like are like uh, first generation Americans. Um, yeah. Were, Katie and Johnny, they were both born Americans, actually. Yeah, exactly. America, There's right? a whole bit yeah. about how they're born Americans. Yeah, and then but, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Dan, we're 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 running way off track as always. We're not. We're talking about books. We are. No, I meant in the we're sense that meeting. we're rambling, yeah. Daniel. So clearly, you like this book. Hated but it. Did you like this book? Yeah, I like this book. Gabriel, clearly you like this book. Did you like this book? I did not. I hated it. Every second of it. Awesome. I tell you what, let's go on break. Okay. When we come back, we'll do final thoughts. Just kidding. I love this book. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about what we're going to read next, possibly. Okay. Um, in the meantime, go on a break. No. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Dear listener. Hey, 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 hey. Ooh, slow readers. Joe. We're in the last part. Gabriel, we have some things to do. Let's do it very quickly, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. First off, final thoughts. Gabriel, what's your final thoughts on Tree Grows in Brooklyn? I'm very glad we landed on this one for the um, for the Strand 80. Um, I've never read this book. I've always meant to. I think I started it once or twice on Horrible Ex-Girlfriends, um, uh, like, bed or something. Uh, I'm I, I loved it. I'm I'm floored by it honestly. It's I love a generational epic. I love stories of struggling poor Irish people. I'm a big fan of Angela's Ashes, and it reminded me a lot of uh, Colm to Beans Brooklyn, which you know is a movie I absolutely adore. You know, like you know, it's just it's just something about a story about people just compassionately understanding the plight of who they are, what they want to be, and how they suffer to grow and live. Um, I absolutely love it. It's it's um, I'm glad I bought a copy. I'm gonna remember visit it often actually. I, I really really like this book. All right. Uh, I also very much enjoyed this. I'm very happy we landed on this as well. Because, mm-hmm. again, like, this is something that, uh, thank God yeah, it I it landed had... on the book, and we were like, uh, yeah, We are just like, we're like, uh, this is... Tree goes in Brooklyn. To be fair, it's too long. It's very, very long. It's very long. And you know me, like, looking at this, which is like... Daniel's a... ideal book length is, like, 60 pages. Uh, my ideal, my ideal book length is between, like, 60 to 80,000 words, which is, you know, it's not terribly... It's, like... Catch on the right length. Sure. Uh, but uh, and uh, uh, Winesburg a higher length. Sure. Ah, uh, but no, no, uh... like. Like uh yeah we had I had weeks to like listen to this and like still uh, for some reason yeah. I, it took me weeks to listen. This to This book all was this a thing. great comfort to me driving across the country listening to it for hours at a stretch. I got love Aunt Sissy. <laughs> what a wonderful character! I accidentally got a free physical copy because mm-hmm. I bought it on Amazon through third party used. Realized oh I could just listen to it off of my High Books app. What's uh, that for free? It's a it's a great audiobook app for only five bucks a month. Or actually, it's ten dollars a month. It's ten dollars. I'm sorry, it's not mm-hmm. five bucks yet. But uh, it's essentially Spotify for audiobooks, it's isn't it? It's essentially a Spotify for, for yeah. long for original content. That's something I couldn't say. I, audio content coming up. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, I I listened to it on there, so I canceled the order right away. And I was like, shit, I'm sorry, cancel, please. And they're like, all right, canceled. And then two days later, I got it in the mail. Yay! <laughs> so, but I never actually picked it up nor picked it up. Uh, not picked, picked it up. It up. I'm sorry. It no, up. I picked it up. I actually brought it with me. Uh-huh. Uh, but I never... Is it the same I, edition as mine? I haven't seen... Yeah, I haven't read a single... I have, like, the oh, Oprah no, edition. I don't think so. No, I got the cool-looking version. The Harper Perennial. Yeah. Uh, I'll show you it in the later uh, later on. But, um... Yeah, I got a free copy of this. I haven't read a single actual word of it. Oh. But, uh... But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I listened to about half, read about half. All right. So, uh... But, no, um... I'm very happy Highly with recommend. this. Highly uh, recommend. Uh, I love a pastoral. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them, okay, especially like, you love and, American pastoral. Uh, but yeah, so but yeah, no, that's that's yeah. that's enough about that. I think we're so good. we'll go into our one of our last segments about the book, yeah. Daniel. In honor of our good friend Sean Hayes, host of the Whip Around. <laughs> what is your hazy memory about this book? What oh. is your one memory like takeaway? If some like you, you see this book on your shelf, what is the thing you think of when you think about this book? The one moment that I didn't like. 
Oh. Which was, this is a very touching, like, dark, but very lovely mm -hmm. depiction of, like, love and hate and people growing up in a neighborhood in a very specific time and place. Mm -hmm. Very realistic. Until all of a sudden it becomes a thriller where a, oh, but the, where a serial child molester and murderer is stalking That was a little Williamsburg. out of the out of the. It was ordinary. so weird. It was, it was so jarring. weirdly like thriller esque. Yeah. Because like I don't know, like it's one thing to have a story about like, I don't know, someone like 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 almost sexually harming uh, Francie. Like there's like there's a low key realist like kind of like realistic way to do it. Mm -hmm. But no, this is like a raving it's lunatic. It's way to do who, it. Who starts charging at her with his dick out? Yeah. And his her mother shoots him to death. He doesn't oh, no, die. He didn't die. Yeah, you're right. Uh, shoots him. Yeah. And it's just like it's like what the Mr. hell McShane happened? Was all about it. Was it. Weird. Mr. McShane was like, oh god, oh Katie Nolan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's your hazy memory? <laughs> uh, there's so many small moments that I really love. I want to take photos of little moments. But for me, it's like these small characterization things. Like the one that sticks to me, like like for no reason at all right now, it's so um, uh, Francie's Aunt Sissy is kind of like like, like the, the loose woman about town. Oh, she's, she's the illiterate one, right? She's illiterate. She yeah. was one. She was oldest of uh, the older sisters of Katie and Evie. And she's like the one who loves kids the most. And she has like 10 stillbirths. Mm. Um, and she has a couple of different husbands. And her last one, who she insists on, call, she calls all of her husbands John. Mm -hmm. Like she's a, she's a weird like flight of fancy, but a fun, loving, very decent and kind woman. She's Yeah, she's like this wonderfully, she's also supposedly like, been extremely attractive like since before like she yeah really she's, she was a highly sexed like 13 year old yeah so she was she, she grew she up got, very differently she got married i think she got at married 13, at 13 right? yeah um, um so and, um, but like but she's like she's sweet she's kind of wonderfully like, she's so giving naive she's like giving to like a fault almost yeah. and she's a polygamist <laughs> she's a polygamist <laughs> yeah. but she doesn't mean to be <laughs> just yeah she's yeah. not purposely polygamist yeah. she just has a couple husbands yeah that she never so like, I want the, kind of like the <laughs> climax of her story is that finally her current husband um finds out so she's she's like bamboozled him into um, like adopting like a little girl yeah like like she like she kind of she she helps find this she finds this pregnant girl takes care of her and she keeps on telling her husband John I'm gonna have the baby soon he's like what are you talking about no you're not stop <laughs> stop messing with my head she's like it'll be here soon he's like I give up I give up whatever so they have the baby and so through some circumstances that her husband finds out that she was married before and she never got legally divorced mm -hmm. so. He's finally like freaking out, and uh, and like the whole family is over there hoping that he's not gonna mess, he's not gonna go nuts, and he's like, like no, damn it, like 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 and you like me better though, right? She's like, yeah, I like you best. He's like, okay, good. And my name's not John, it's Steve, damn it, it's Steve. <laughs> and they're like, okay, it's Steve. He's like, all right, I'm I'm leaving. Like, where are you going? My dad always had ice cream for company, and I'm buying everyone ice cream, damn it. And he leaves. Yeah. And they're like. Steve. Uh, that's a, that's, yeah. That's, that's a wonderful. Made me happy. So let's talk about the book then. Okay. Guys, uh, go see Brooklyn. That's a great movie. What's that? Go see Brooklyn. That's a great movie. That's a good movie. You read the book, right? Yeah. How was the book? Was it similar? Um, it was a lot, it was a lot more like this, to be honest, that the book is a lot grimier in a sense that like where, where it doesn't where, have Sarah Ronan shitting in a bucket. Oh, it does. Uh -huh. But no, it's a little bit much more like, like. The internal moments are a lot darker. Like everyone's a little bit more mean. Everyone's a little bit crueler. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the movie, it's everyone, it everyone kind of fixates only on the on the beautiful stuff, but in a good way. Yeah, it's okay. All right, that makes sense. So let's start talking about this. Let us. We're gonna pick another book from the Strand Eighty. Strand Eighty, baby. You roll. I tell what the thing is. All right, ready, Daniel. Yes, I am. And we're rolling. Rolling. Now. 27. We selected. <laughs> I'm actually really happy with this. The Hobbit. Oh, man. Yeah, The Hobbit. All right, you know, I've, I've yeah, always. I've, you're bummed out. I've I mean, needed that's... a reason. I, I, I don't like Tolkien, <laughs> but I've always heard I'd love The Hobbit. So, okay. All right, we're going to pick The Hobbit, and we're also going to watch all nine hours of the movie. Hard pass. I know. I tell you what, though, um, I didn't say this the other day, and we're sorry, all you people, for throwing in a tangent at the last second. Uh, my other review, my other element of uh, the review of Aquaman would be people have been unfavorably critiquing it compared to the Lord of the Rings movie because clearly it's trying to like take a page of that book. For me, I kept thinking about the Hobbit movies when sure. I was watching Aquaman in the way that I was just like, 
the Hobbit movies did this better. Like, like the whole like ending climax and everything like that. Like that was so jarring and out of place and just like what the I fuck? was pretty drunk by the end of that movie. Well, like yeah, it, well I felt drunk. Like when all of a sudden it just yeah. drops. In I the was thing. tired and I didn't care anymore and I was drinking. But I kept thinking at that point like like like. Like, the Hobbit movies did overblown kind of needless things like this, but, like, oh, my God, by comparison, like, The Hobbit was, like, you cared and and you could tell what the fuck was going on. Not saying that, like, it's a good movie, but I'm just, like, The Hobbit did this much better. Aquaman was that bad. I'm glad you decided to go into this tangent about Aquaman at the last minute. You're welcome. So... Mm-hmm. The Hobbit. We're gonna read. Yeah, we're gonna the Hobbit next week. It's I'm, short, right? I'm very happy. Yeah, it's well shortish. Yeah. Do you have a copy I can borrow? No, I, that's another book yeah. that I have. I've been meaning to go to the library. We'll go to the library today, maybe. I'm just gonna open. I'll go copy. tomorrow, maybe. I'll buy you a copy. Let's go to the library. I save money. No, I want to buy. Also, I like going to the library for like eight bucks. I love I, the library, Daniel. For eight bucks, I can go get a, a new copy of this. I'm gonna go to the library. And also, give me excuse to buy the Power of the Dog. Well, go ahead and do that. I'm gonna go to the library. Right. Fuck off. So we're gonna read the Hobbit next time. Gabriel, do you have anything to plug? Plug. Um, not really right now. Um, if you'd like, please check out the back catalog of the Sex and Violence show. Oh. Um, uh, rest in peace, Ryan Snyder. You beautiful, magnificent bastard. You. Rip. He lives on in eighty hours of us talking about fucking sexy, violent movies. Yes. Um, besides that, just follow me on Instagram, baby underscore underscore Mara. And you can also check out those Ryan episodes that we have on Slow Readers, mm-hmm. uh, including the uh, kind of like black. Oh, like actually, I really enjoyed our LA Confidential talk, and then the um, uh, our Do Andrew's Dreams of Electric Sheep Shop wasn't a great episode, but it was a fun thing to kind of revisit. Sure. Um. So yeah. In the meantime, um, I think that's it. Oh no, there's nothing Rate, really. To review, do. subscribe. Review and subscribe. Slow on readers. Check out Sex and Violence. Check out the back catalog. That's all we got to do. So, as we do at the end of every episode, we do a dance number. Okay. Blue, We're going to go get drunk. So, that's it. Bye. Bye, everybody. This has been a Top Count Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabriel Mara. For more shows and information, go to topcountradio.com.